Coming right out of the box on the Jacob Media YouTube channel live tonight with our version of Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen. As you know by now, all presented by Stateside Vodka. Go to statesidevodka.com, use the promo code JACOB, get 15% off of a one-liter bottle. Use that promo code if you're in Pennsylvania. And Stateside will deliver it right to your front door. Johnny Mack, welcome in here. Back to work uh, is the team. There was some activity today. Carolina uh, made a trade. I was listening uh, in route back to uh, home this evening. I was listening to Carolina GM uh, on uh, NFL radio on Sirius XM, Scott Federer, talking about uh, his decision to make the trade uh, today with the Patriots. Yeah, and it kind of tells you Carolina thinks they have a little bit of an opportunity to make a run at the playoffs getting uh, a player like Stephon Gilmore. So the Patriots made it clear to the rest of the league um, they were going to release him. So if you want to get him, you got to trade for him. And obviously they didn't get a, a, a ton in return uh, because Gilmore makes a lot of money. So Carolina has to pick up um that contract he's also on the pop list so they're gonna have to wait for him eagles fans don't have to worry about him showing up this week um even if he could probably can't get ready but he's got to be on the pop list till after week six so there's still going to be a couple more weeks but it is an interesting uh movement i thought green bay would probably be the team to go heavily and they did want stefan gilmore a lot of teams wanted Stephon Gilmore. I got to tell you, I'm just happy that NFL teams move quickly, so I don't have to answer all the questions about why the Eagles aren't aren't a landing spot for Stephon Gilmore. So it's quickly over. Don't have to worry about it. Can I ask you, did the Eagles have any interest in Stephon Gilmore? No, I think it's more of, I think everybody would have an interest in that kind of player in a quarterback deficient league. Um, Eagles aren't in a position, if this were the 2017 to 2019 Eagles, yeah, they would have been heavily involved um, when they thought they were contenders. This is a guy who wants to play with a contender, wants to be with a chance to win, uh, so he would not have, have wanted to come to Philadelphia at this particular time. It's just not... Uh, it's just not a fit for this team at this time. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen joining us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel as he does every evening. We're live tonight here on the Jacob Media uh, YouTube channel. Team went back to work. Let's get some updates. Um, when I was part of Civilization a little bit earlier this afternoon, I did see some Twitter activity uh, about Lane Johnson uh, returning to Philadelphia. What is the very latest, John? What do you know? Did Lane return to Philadelphia today? Um, he is in the area. Um, it's interesting. John Clark, and I saw him down there, was the one who first reported Lane was returning um, from, I believe, Oklahoma, not Texas. Um, uh, and he was going about going to be at the Eagles facility. So he was not there when we were there. He was certainly not there uh, when Nick Suriani had his morning press conference, did not expect him 
at that point. Um, he may have shown up to the Novacare complex later in the afternoon. Um, but he was not, obviously, was not there for practice. And there is no change on the front. The Eagles are still saying it's a personal matter. Um, from everything I've heard behind the scenes, they do not expect him to play in Carolina. And we'll see. At some point, they're going to have to address this situation and and kind of, even if you want to lean on that, it's a personal matter. You don't want to get into it. You do have to address, you do have to address the football side. When do you expect him back or do you not expect him back? So you do have to address that side of it. The Eagles are going to have to do that at some point. If they're not under an obligation, and perhaps they're not, listen, a personal, you know, a personal situation is a personal situation. So the Eagles may or may not be under an obligation. But as you said, you need to talk about the football side of it and and what that means. They're the game on Sunday against Carolina. It's a better defense. They're facing a better. They're going to face a better defense than they did uh, against Kansas City. Uh, they're going to face a better defense than they did uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the offensive line going into the game against Kansas City was 80% down or different, however you want to describe it, from what it was when the season began. So what does it look like, John, right now? Um, And perhaps what it looks like now is not what it will look like when we get to game day on Sunday. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on on Jordan Mailata, if he's able to play, and he was back at practice in a limited fashion, uh, today had a big brace on his uh, knee, a sprained knee. Um, but, I mean, that's a first, that's a positive step. So if Jordan is back, um, which is the hope, and he can get through this week and get back in the lineup, I think you're going to see more shuffling. And I think, and this is just speculation, but I think you're going to see him the one moving. I think you're going to see Andre Dillard at left tackle, Jordan Mailana playing right tackle in place of Lane Johnson. I think you'll have Jack Driscoll slide inside the right guard where he's supposed to start against Kansas City until the late scratch of Lane Johnson. And then Landon Dickerson will remain at left guard. Jason Kelsey, obviously, uh, the one starter. Uh, that we know is going to be in there. Although even Jason is dealing with a foot injury um, and he rested today. It was more of a rest day, more, more of a uh, veteran management day, load management day for Jason Kelsey. So they expect him to play. Uh, I think you're going to see Jordan Mailata at right tackle, Andre Dillard at left tackle, which is interesting because, you know, Jordan's the one who just started playing football four years ago, and they're more comfortable with him moving than they are with Andre Diller. Uh, Jordan, back at practice today, um, <clears throat> what was the extent, John, of Mylotta's injury, and is does the timeline match up to what the injury was? I'm asking because I don't know. Uh, yeah, they, they, he had sprained his knee. It was the least serious level. You have grades one through four. It was the least serious level. That generally is a two- or three-week injury. Uh, he's missed two games. Um, if he wasn't able 
to make it against Carolina would be three games. So uh, he's right in that category, right where he should be uh, when you have that type of sprained knee, which is the best case scenario. If it was a grade four, you're talking about an eight-week injury. So Eagles kind of lucked out uh, with with how serious that knee sprain was. Going into the game this week, Johnny Mack, um, I saw another post today, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but just trying to trying to set the table and understand what this game's going to ultimately look like when we get to Sunday. Yesterday, when we completed football 24-7, I didn't expect Sean McCafferty to play against the Eagles on Sunday. Now, I did see reports today that he was practicing today and he could return Sunday against the Eagles. What do you know? Yeah, Christian McCaffrey is not obviously McCaffrey, yeah, uh, their best offensive player, one of the best offensive players in pro football, to be honest, when he's healthy. hasn't been healthy a lot over the past two years. Uh, dealing with a hamstring issue, um, from what I've been told from people in Carolina, they expect him to play this week, and we'll see. Hamstrings are always tricky with skill position players because the last thing – you want to do is push it. Um, now that's bad news if he's able to go out there for for obviously from the Eagles standpoint. As as I said, probably their best overall player. Period. No matter the position, no matter the side of the football. Uh, but they do have two guys, two key players who are not expected to play, and that's linebacker Shaq Thompson, who's having a big year and uh, uh, their left tackle, Cameron Irving. Uh, and they have a – this is one of those teams where we always talk about this being an offensive line deficient league. They're not good when they're healthy on the offensive line, and they have some injuries. So this could be a game where Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett and Fletcher Cox can get – back on track if if things go well from that standpoint what does jonathan gannon have to do to get fletcher and the front four of his defense back on track well it might be just showing up (laughs) as i said if you look at that you know cameron as i said cameron irving is their starting left tackle is probably you know, not one of the better left tackles to begin with. Um, they have Trent Scott, who who was a, a guy they picked up on waivers from the Chargers. Um, not a high-level player. They do have a third-round pick, uh, Brady Christensen, who, who they might throw in there. But they're in dire straits to the point that, you know, you're talking about Scott Fitterer making a trade for Stephon Gilmore. He's been calling all around this league as well to try to pick up offensive linemen. And nobody's given up offensive linemen because of their worth. And this is a situation where, you know, Andre Dillard is playing well. Um, now, he's he's been lucky. You got to be honest. No Demarcus Lawrence in Dallas. Uh, Frank Clark wasn't able to play for Kansas City. 
But bottom line is he's played pretty well when he's been forced into the lineup. So if you can kind of fast forward this thing to November 2nd, I, I believe is the trade deadline. If Andre Dillard plays this week, plays well again. All of a sudden, you're going to have a lot of teams calling the Eagles about Andre Dillard. Hopefully, Lane Johnson's back by that point. Jordan Mailata's healthy. You can go back to your original plan. And maybe you can get something for Andre Dillard. Well, would you do that if Lane's back and and Malata's back healthy? Would you would you do that based on the statement that you just made about you know offensive linemen, the big uglies being at such a premium? Would you do that anyway? Well, a, a lot of it has to do with uh, Lane Johnson. You know, there's such uncertainty with Lane right now. But from a left tackle standpoint, the Eagles have already made their decision. Uh, they picked Jordan Mailata. They signed him to the extension. And by the way, he earned it and won the job. Now, what can complicate matters is, and these are all good problems to have, if Andre Dillard continues to play well, as I said, the Eagles have confidence that Jordan Mailata can play right tackle. So if Lane Johnson's going to be out, they might not want to move him. Just keep him on the left tackle, have Jordan play right tackle. So, it's a nice problem to have, and it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's we're not talking about a lot of positives with the Eagles right now. Their depth on the offensive line is pretty significant positive. That's actually what I, where I was going to go, Johnny Mac, in terms of depth on the offensive line. If, if the starters play out the way you expect them to play out come Sunday – what does the rest of the depth chart look like going into the game against Carolina, assuming Lane is out, Jordan's back, but you don't know how healthy Jordan is. You're assuming he's going to be able to play. And even if he's on the right side, you're assuming he's going to be able to hold up. What's the rest of it look like? Sua Peta, I think, was put on co- you know, on the COVID list. What, what, what does the rest of it look like behind the five starters on Sunday, right now, at least right now. <clears throat> yeah, you still have Brett Toth, remember, who had a very good training camp, and he's your swing tackle, so that's pretty good. Uh, Nate Herbig is your interior backup, and he was taking reps at center today uh, because Jason Kelsey didn't practice. So, um, you know, Nate had to step in last week, start a right guard, did a good job uh, with two hours' notice. So, again, it's a pretty impressive group. Um, you know, Carolina loses one offensive lineman, and they're picking up the phone, you know, trying to give, go outside the organization to get somebody. So, you know, well, we always talk about positives. It might not be sexy, certainly, when you talk about the offensive line. But, man, this team is deep on the offensive line. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Don't forget to like, share, and continue to subscribe as we roll along uh, into what is week five, right? We in week five, John? We are. Uh, We are in week five. We're one one and three. three. Going into uh, week five. A part of that other conversation, by the way, on uh, NFL Radio Sirius XM with the Carolina GM. Uh, they love how well Darnold is playing and how well he's running 
that offense. Now, I don't know this to be 100% accurate, but the energy in Scott's voice almost appeared that they were over the moon excited about how well he's playing in Carolina. And he's the reason uh, this Carolina team has a three-in-one record and is playing pretty good football. Well, yeah, they are playing pretty good football, and they are a little bit better, certainly, than I thought. I looked at this game before the season started, said, oh, this is a winnable game. Not to say the Eagles would win it, but it's a team that if you play well, you can probably um, find a way to win the football game late. Um, Is that changed? I don't know. I will say, look, their early schedule has been pretty easy. Um, New York Jets, week one, they beat them by five points. Um, they were pretty impressive against the Saints, which is an okay team, but not what they were with Drew Brees. That was probably their most impressive performance. And then they beat the Houston Texans in week three. Now, if you talk to most people around the league, who are the two least talented teams in the NFL? You're going to come back with Jets and Texans every time. So, I mean, that's teams you should beat. And to their credit, they did beat, but they're not impressive wins. They Um, did have Dallas on – they did have Dallas – I don't want to say on the ropes, but they played Dallas really strong, at least. Well, in the that's, first you know, game. that's that was probably their most impressive performance and they lost. You know, that's that's sort of the NFL. Um, Dallas is playing very well. And you're right. They stayed in the football game um, and they were able to to stay near that explosive offense. You saw what they did to. Uh, the Eagles, they were able to score 36 uh, against the Panthers as well. Um, so, you know, but it was at, at one time, you know, it was 36 to 14. You know, so, look, I didn't watch the game in real time. But when I see 36 to 14, I start thinking a little bit of garbage time and maybe Dallas let you know, foot off the gas. And that's kind of what happened. And obviously 36-14 turns into 36-28. And it looks better at the end of the game, but it really wasn't that good. That's what I think happened against Dallas. Talk about offensively, Johnny Mack, uh, from Jalen Hurts and from the Eagle offensive side of the football. Nick, of course, head coach Nick Sirianni. Um, I think felt pretty good about his game plan uh, against Kansas City. I mean, so good that at one point towards the end of the game, watching just on the television, um, watching Nick in conversation with Jalen, and then I believe he was in conversation with Zach Ertz. This was towards the very end of the game. I don't want to say he was laughing or anything like that, but but he was had his arm around him. He was chuckling a little bit. He was in he was in a little bit of a conversation. But that body language tells me he felt pretty good, uh, you, you know, about his offensive game plan in you know in the game against Kansas City, a high flying Kansas City Chiefs. So um, I assume uh, based on that, he's 
bringing that type of confidence into this week's game plan. I don't know if that means he's figured it out, but I assume that to be be, be true. Well, you know, I'm also going to be fair to uh, the Carolina fans as well in that, look, Kansas City's defense is terrible. It's every bit as bad as their offense is good. So how much of it is great game plan? How much is is that? Or how much it is Kansas City can't stop Joe Krause and John McMullen, basically? A little bit of both, probably, to be honest. Carolina is going to bring a much better defense uh, to the table. Uh, but they're not going to be as explosive offensively. So it's going to be a different type of game. Um, It's going to be much more difficult for the offense, most likely, and it's going to be much easier for the Eagles' defense, which they need a breather after facing Dallas and Kansas City. Now, having Christian McCaffrey back doesn't help um, if he's able to go, uh, and that'll make – Carolina a little bit more difficult, but still it's not Kansas City. It's still not Dallas. So I think you're going to have a different game. And that's what the NFL is about. Nick constantly talks about it. Every game plan is different. Every opponent is different. You're not going to play the Carolina Panthers the same way you played the Kansas City Chiefs. You shouldn't. If you go in with the same game plan, you're not doing your job. Well, you're going in with the same offense. You're going in with a run uh, RPO offense, right? You're going to distribute the ball to you're going to use Gainwell the way they're using Gainwell and the way Gainwell was used in college. You're going to use him. Now, Devontae Smith had a great quiet, but you know, great 120 yards. I thought it was a little quiet. I was actually surprised when I saw the number um over over 120. But then they didn't target Quez very, very often. They didn't, I think Rager only got was only targeted targeted once, but more of the tight ends were used uh, in the game on uh, last week against Kansas City. Yeah, and remember, you know, uh, you saw a lot of Kenny Gainwell because of how the game went and because you were behind. Now, there's a perfect example. In this game, you would prefer to get back to what you always want to do and certainly what the Eagles want to do even more than most teams, and that's, um, play from the lead. And if you're playing from the lead, you're going to see more, more Miles Sanders uh, than Kenny Gainwell. Um, you, you know, you take a look at what's going on in the in the Carolina secondary. Uh, remember, as I said, Stephon Gilmore is not going to be out there. So you have Dante Jackson, who's having a good season. But the other corner is a, a rookie, um, Keith Taylor. Uh, we'll see if they get C.J. Henderson. They traded for him recently as well. Uh, if he gets more of uh, 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 a sped-up sort of introductory process to that defense. Um, so maybe you want to go in different directions. Maybe maybe they're going to have him on Quez Watkins. Maybe they're going to have him on Jalen Rager. And you have to go away from Devontae Smith. Um Again, much uh, more accomplished defense, certainly up front than Kansas City, which was Chris Jones and nobody. Um, This group has uh, more playmakers. Brian Burns is a good pass rusher. Um, 
people might remember uh, Hassan Reddick from Temple. He's there uh, as an edge rusher as well. Uh, as I mentioned, they're getting a bit of a break uh, with no Shaq Thompson, who's having a, a really good season. Uh, but their de- defensive line, Derek Brown, too, is one of the young uh, up-and-coming interior linemen in this league. Daquan Jones uh, is a good player. They're really good up front. Um, so maybe the offensive line isn't as effective as it was against Kansas City. A lot of moving parts. It's never the same in this league. John, what's the fix for when the Eagles offense gets into the red zone? What's the fix for converting touchdowns? No penalties. (laughs) They scored touchdowns. They just got called back um, three times. Now, one is easy. Devontae Smith has got to run a better route. That wasn't the red zone, though. He scored from... 34 or 36 yards out. Um, He's just got to be more aware of where he is on the football field. Um, And that's a rookie mistake. And you hope he learns from it and doesn't make the same mistake again. Um, With the illegal man downfield penalties, we've been talking about it. You're, you're running all these RPOs in a year where the league has made it a point of emphasis that if you go down, more than a yard and a half. And, you know, in college, remember, these guys are running all this in college. In college, the rule is different. You, you can go three yards down the field, and they won't call it. In the pros, it's one and a half yards. So, you know, they have to get used to that more stringent um, rule to begin with and then you got to get the timing right on that. So that's just a timing issue. And then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside with the offensive pass interference. Look, that's just a savvy, again, that's a savvy veteran move where you see veteran receivers do it all the time. They rub, It's offensive pass interference. <laughs> Make no mistake. But they're savvy enough to leave their um, – Hands down, essentially it's a pick play in basketball. Just get in his way. But make it look like you're running a route. You're not really running a route, but you got to make it look like you are and just get in the defensive back's way and you got an easy touchdown. Last thing from uh, John McMullen here on Football 24-7. And, boy, I hope I'm getting this right because I know I have referenced Barrett Brooks Um referencing Johnny Mac that you know what kind of football team you have after four games. Now I'm wondering to myself, did Barrett say after four games or after six games on the chance that he said after six games, I'm going to ask you if we know what kind of football team we have after four. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. What do you think? I, I Barrett, um, Number one, he said after four. After four. Uh, He always says after four. But I think it's a little bit different this year uh, because if this was Doug Peterson, if this was Jim Swartz, I I could tell you what, what you have in this team because you not only know the players, you know the coaching staff. We don't know this coaching staff. So 
it might be six games. It might be seven games. It might be eight games. It might be half a season. Everything's new. Everything is learning on the job. Um, and we're going to continue that. And I told people that back in the summer, if you don't think there's going to be hiccups with a first year head coach. I had Colin Thompson on birds, three sixty five, our buddy on from the Carolina Panthers. And I asked him about Matt rule because Colin has been with Matt rule for a long time, dating back to his days at temple. And I said, you know, what's the difference between Matt rule in his second year as a head coach in the NFL versus his first year, because everyone says it's such a big job, you know, but Colin pointed out and, and, you know, he coached that he was a head coach at Baylor. He was a head coach at Temple. Um, not the same level, but the same job. You're, you're in charge of everything, all encompassing. So he had a little bit of an advantage, um, Nick Sirianni's never done this before, man. Never. You know, I asked him today about Jonathan Gannon and the defensive side of the football and calling timeout when Tyreek Hill gets uh, a one-on-one matchup with Eric Wilson. Look, we talked about that on the show, I think, yesterday. You either got to give Jonathan Gannon the autonomy to call timeout if he wants to, and I'm not saying he wanted to because JG didn't say he wanted to call timeout. But the point is he's got to have the autonomy to do so, or you got to be in the in the in the weeds. You got to be in the weeds and understand the situation. And you better be right there with the defensive coordinator and it says, Hey, we're gonna get killed here. We're gonna give up a touchdown. You know, these are all the things you don't learn by being a coordinator. You only learn by being the guy in charge, and that's why it's on-the-job training. How did and he answer that question? And on-the-job training Joe? can get kind of ugly at times, Krause. Did he answer that question? He said? Uh, yeah, he answered it, and and he said he goes down in those types of situations, and he stands next to Gannon in case he has to alert him of something. But again, these are all these are all learning on-the-job circumstances. Never net has never done it before. You can ask other people how it's done, but until you do it, and remember, they're not talking to, um, like in football 24 7. I'm thinking about it for 24 hours. You got 40 seconds to make decisions, and you can't even communicate to the players. Remember, that communication cuts off at 15 seconds. This stuff is bang, bang. And, and when I mean bang, bang, if you've ever been on the sidelines of an NFL game, whoo, things happen quickly. Football 24-7 with John McMullen across the Jacob Media YouTube channel, getting it done on a Wednesday night, all presented by Stateside Vodka. Do what so many of our subscribers have done so far. <laughs> They've gone to statesidevodka.com. They've used the, the term Jacob. And they've gotten 15% off of a one liter bottle. Now you yes. can't and get do that. it early. Do and it early. Free, and you get a free glass on top of it. Free John, you're watching the spots. I love it. Great I love stuff. That spot. I yeah, that's a spot. it is a great commercial. No doubt about that. Uh great stuff, Johnny Mac. Uh what's are you back tomorrow morning on Birds 365? I am. I am back tomorrow morning. Then I'm 
jet off to practice. We're going to have uh, Ryan Paganetti, former uh, uh, Eagles assistant coach under Doug Peterson, analytics guy. So he's going to be talking uh, some fourth down decisions with us and what the Eagles should have done. Or maybe they did the right thing. We'll find out tomorrow. Well, if he duplicates his first appearance on Birds 365, should be must watch or must check out if you miss it live tomorrow, Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, on behalf of all of our viewers, and of course, on behalf of John McMullen and Xander Krause, I'm Joe Krause. Good night, everyone. <laughs>